Welcome to my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. And the purpose of this podcast is to really shine light on what it's like living right here in Alaska from the people who are actually living here. And today I actually have someone who just recently made the move up here from Utah, and she has um, quite a story with uh, coming through the, the Alcan and kind of talking about that entire process. So uh, please welcome Jill to the podcast today. Hey, how are you? Glad to, glad to have you here. So I guess let's, uh, let's go and jump into this then. Um, I know you lived in Utah for before you came here, but how long did you live in Utah? My entire life. I had never moved, like, I always lived within a 15-mile radius of where I grew up. So I definitely never left Utah. That's okay. That's that's definitely uh, making a big jump from Utah to Alaska then. And you didn't have the chance to visit Alaska before you came here, did you? No, I came sight unseen. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? Let's go on an adventure. And I just jumped right in. Yeah, well, yeah, you definitely, definitely just jumped right in here. That's uh, <laughs> quite a move to be making. Uh, now, remind me, was that, I think that was before, like, everything started happening with COVID, wasn't it? It was during the middle. So it was March of 2021, actually, that I made the journey up here. So it was kind of in the middle, and I had to have a letter stating that I had a job to be able to travel through Canada um, so it was a little bit different, you know, you think, wow, it'll be easy, but no, you have to have documentation saying that you actually have a valid reason to be traveling through Canada to Alaska. Um, and at that time vacation wasn't, wasn't a valid reason. So I had to have a letter from my employer stating that I had a job waiting up here for me. Right. And were there any other big hurdles you had to get over when you were getting, across the border? Cause I mean, I've heard stories of people who get there and they're like, okay, well, do you have any guns with you? No. Have you ever owned any guns? Um, yeah, they're not here. And then they like search the entire trailer. So did you run into anything like that? So, yeah, we did have a little bit of that. I mean, we brought a dog as well. So I knew that she had to have like rabies vaccines and up to date on vaccinations. And I don't recall hundred percent, but I think she had to have like a vet check and everything. Um, they didn't ask about that paperwork at all. They were not even worried that we had a dog. Um, <clears throat> when I came through, we did have an, I think a pellet gun and a BB gun and possibly, I think we also had a larger caliber rifle and they freaked out. They went through the entire trailer they went through the car. Um, my spouse and I had to be interviewed separately. They asked if I had ever had it because we drove separately as well. Um, they asked if I had ever had a firearm in my vehicle, if I had firearms in my vehicle, if I had any weapons. It was intense. And I don't know. It was just to me, it, it's normal. I grew up with firearms, so it wasn't like to me, it just seemed a little wild that they were so worried about a pellet gun and a BB gun. I can understand like a large caliber rifle, but 
it's like a hunting rifle, you know, it's not, it wasn't anything crazier than that, but it took us four hours to be interrogated and for them to go through the entire trailer. I had heard horror stories about them just like tossing everything. They were very respectful. Um, they really didn't throw any of our belongings or damage anything or anything like that, but they were very thorough going through everything. Um, but that was the worst part of it. Um, once we got through, I mean, of course, there was more eventful things that happened, um, such as flat tires and not making deadlines and fun stuff like that. But yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. So, where did you guys get the flat tire? So we had two flat tires. The Ooh, first shoot. one, like I know, yeah. I I always say prepare for two, but that's <laughs> that's special. I know. Okay, and you the did get two. Was, I mean, it's March and the roads are covered in snow and it's strange that you're getting flat tires like the first flat and they were nails too that was the other strange part i'm like what do these people do litter their streets with nails so that they have business i'm just kidding <laughs> but the first one we got outside of a small town coming through like a mountainous pass it was very i can't remember the town name it was like a, a frog something i can't remember um luckily it was in the parking lot we had stayed over just in a parking lot on the side of the road and we noticed that the trailer no it was the truck tire that time was flat so they were able to fix that um everything is more expensive so prepare for that you know a normal tire change you're thinking is or a uh, repair is probably you know i was thinking maybe 30 dollars. i think it was 60 to 90 to have them fix it and then the second flat was on our trailer and we had a huge trailer. Um, it was like a 42 foot long snowmobile trailer that we had all of our belongings in. So flat tire on that was a little difficult to change. Um, that one was outside of Whitehorse. So that was okay. So the two flat tires and then heading out of White Whitehorse, we were probably 50 to 100 miles outside of town when we hit black ice and the truck and trailer flew off the side of the road. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was so terrifying because I was driving my vehicle behind and I saw the whole thing happen. I'm like, well, there goes all of our belongings and my husband's going to be dead. So luckily nobody was injured, but it was off like a little bit of a bank and the trailer was so heavy that we couldn't get it out. So we had to have a big rig come and pull us out. And that was a little bit expensive. That was, I think, seven to $800 just to have them pull us out of the snow. So definitely unaccounted for expenses. You know, I, I had been told just plan on flat tires. So I'm thinking, yes, flat tires are going to happen. Did not think we were going to have to have like a big semi come and pull us out of the snow. Yeah, that's wild. Like, did your all yeah. your stuff get really jumbled up and? Oh yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Nothing was really damaged, but I mean, when we packed, like, we tried to pack really. I mean, we tried to do our best to make sure everything was secure and tight, but yeah, after that, it was all just a heaping mess. And I mean, looking back, I laugh now because. It's like, wow, we took so much time to make sure everything was packed so nice and tidy because we, um, the trailer was 
it was like equipped with the all seasons package. So there were a few nights that we would stay in the trailer as well, just to save on, on hotel costs. But after the jumbled mess, it was difficult to even get in the trailer. And I remember spending a couple hours trying to pick things up and clean things up. And finally I was just like to hell with it. I don't even care. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> so we did not make our deadline to get out of Canada. Um, part of, and I don't know if this is happening anymore, but at the time when you come into Canada, they give you like, I think it's only four days four maybe five to get out. We did not make that deadline. And so when we got to um, the port of entry into Alaska, like they were not very happy with us. And I had but to also, show them like, yeah, I mean, yeah. also at that point, what are you going to do? You missed your deadline, so can I not leave now? I know. It's like, are you <laughs> going to keep me here? Are you going to make me go back? Yeah, so we just had to show them pictures and receipts, you know, just proving that we weren't on vacation, that we were actually having difficulties along the way. Yeah, and I mean, still, I'm like, you know, what are you going to do if, even if I'm on vacation? Are you gonna try to detain me at which point you have an international incident buddy what's what's the end goal here <laughs> exactly they take their job very seriously which i get it it's their national security but at the same time it just seemed a little over the top to me i'm like please i just want to get out of here i don't want to be here any more than you want me to be here yeah yeah i mean i i try to cut them a lot of slack because it's like you know they're not yeah. supposed to be rolling the red carpet out welcoming everybody but on the other hand you know who's gonna be going into quebec and <laughs> british columbia to try to mess stuff yeah. up <laughs> i know like i was just and the other thing that's crazy when i looked on when i when i looked at the map it was a 52 hour drive. Obviously you're not going to do 52 hours straight, but I was thinking, Oh, we'll easily be able to do that in like five, five to six days. You know, you're driving nine, 10 hours a day. Yeah. That doesn't happen. <laughs> like there's days that you get late starts, flat tires thrown off the side of the road. <laughs> you know, I think from start to finish, I can't recall. Um, but it was more like eight to 10 days. It was a lot longer than what I anticipated. Got it. So if you had to come up with, let's say, like two or three tips minimum, like what tips would you give people who are going to be driving the Alcan in the near future and they just want to make it as smooth as possible? If they want to make it as smooth as possible, I would say make sure you do not do it in winter. Like, you know, and winter... Winter in Canada and Alaska really is arguably through April, even into May, you know, there's, there's snowstorms even that late. I definitely would not drive it again in March. Um, I would also make sure you are prepared for long days and you don't just think it's going to be an easy drive because although yeah, there's really nobody out on the roads a lot of the time, depending on the time of year you do it. It's still a long, hard drive. Um, and then just make sure you have all of your paperwork. 
you know, you need passports and if you have animals, you need their documentation. And I'm not sure if they're requiring that paperwork stating that you have a job or a residence or anything like that, but just make sure you have all of that paperwork together. Yeah, that's, that's huge. So I know you guys were thinking about going on the Alcan versus the Alaska Marine Highway, AKA the ferry Mm -hmm. system. So what is it that made you decide to go with the Alcan Highway? Um, to be honest with you, I don't feel like the, the uh, ferry system is very easy to navigate. Um, and coming up at the time of year that we were coming up, a lot of the ferries weren't running because it's winter, it's icy. And so there was nothing running into Whittier. Um, and so we would have had to postpone me starting my job, which they didn't want me to postpone. They needed help then. Um, so we just had to drive it. Um, cost was another factor as well. You know, if you're trying to put large vehicles on a ferry, that's going to cost you money. Plus the larger the vehicle or the more vehicles you have, um, you have to plan in advance because space fills up. Um, my husband's not a planner, not at all. He just flies by the seat of his pants and I'm more of a planner, but I get irritated. So I was just like, fine, we're driving. So we drove. I wouldn't change it. I mean, it, even though it was terrible at the time and there were a couple of marriage building days, I will call those. Um, It's funny now, you know, good memories, funny stories can laugh about it now. Yeah, it's, it's always eventful taking the Alcan Highway, I found. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's, let's zoom ahead then. So you're, you've moved here now. You guys are, are situated, you're renting a place out. What yes. is Alaska about what you were expecting it was going to be? So yes and no. Um, like I said, I'd never been to Alaska. I, we are currently in Wasilla. Um, it is a lot bigger than I anticipated, to be honest with you. The town itself is a lot bigger than what I thought I was getting myself into. And so in that aspect, I mean, I like it because it's got all of the amenities and everything I'm used to. You know, there's Target, there's a Costco down in Anchorage. But I'm a little saddened because I left where I was living to find maybe a smaller town. And it's really not that small. So it's a little bigger than what I like than what I thought, but for the most part, I really like it. Gotcha. Have you checked out Willow or I don't know, maybe Seward or some other places as well? I have. Okay. You know, I have looked at those and I don't know if Wasilla is my final destination, to be honest with you. Um, but where I work, it it works for now. Right. So for now it's home and I love it. Um, I also love the fact that you can ride ATVs all over out where I live. And so, I mean, I can't, it doesn't get any better, you know, (laughs) I just can jump on my dirt bike after work every day and go for a little ride and nobody cares. Gotta love it. That's really Wasilla. (laughs) Yep. Have you, um, what is it called? Jim have you been on Jim Bean Creek yet? Like up near Palmer? Yes, it's terrible. 
terrible really okay <laughs> I, I remember i i remember like hiking back there and i didn't realize it was predominantly a um a four-wheeling and uh, motorcycle dirt biking kind of a trail right. like they said you can hike it you can and i didn't pick up on the air quotes and the sarcasm and the, <laughs> the tone to realize that That's that funny. really wasn't what it was for <laughs> Oh, there is mud everywhere. We got stuck. Our four-wheeler got flooded. It's still pulled apart in the garage. So. Oh, really? You know, Jim Creek and I, we're, we're kind of not speaking to each other right now. We're <laughs> angry. No, it was fun. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Yeah. So, okay. So dirt biking, four-wheeling, are there, what other activities have you found in the area that you really like to, um, to get out and enjoy. I did do snowshoeing for the first time this year. That was a lot of fun. I expected to fall numerous times. I did not. I was proud that I can walk with snowshoes on. Um, that was a lot of fun. Those are really all I've done. I want to try cross country. I want to do downhill. Um, I just haven't found the time to do it. Right. So where did you go snowsho um, snowshoeing? I just went down to Settlers Bay, to that area down there. There's actually lots, lots of trails down in there. Um, I thought they used to groom them, but this year they weren't groomed at all. Um, but that's fine. So took the snowshoes. It's, you can go, I don't know, like, I don't know how many miles they have in there, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, snowshoeing is actually one thing I've wanted to get into because I've got the cross-country skis. I'll go, you know, once every week or every other week um, here in Chugiak. So that's that's a lot of fun. They've got some really well-maintained trails here. Um, I've also found Hatcher Pass is pretty good for cross-country skiing as well. I know they do quite a bit of um, quite a bit of snowshoeing up there too. But yeah, you'd have to go watch the groups because you definitely have more concerns on avalanches up there than you have in other yeah, places. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check that out. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I mean, even during the, the summertime, I mean, I really think Hatcher Pass is going to become kind of the new Alieska girdwood area yeah. just because they're, they're putting, I mean, I think the lift is already installed up there, right? Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know. I haven't been up there frequently, just a couple of times. Yeah, I, I think they have a lift up there once you drive really high up there. And I mean, that's probably just going to grow bigger and bigger just because, you know, the population is kind of moving to the Matsu Valley and people don't want to mm -hmm. drive all the way to Girdwood and go through Anchorage to go get some quality downhill skiing. So that's, uh, that's probably going to, that's probably going to explode. So if you're looking at uh, just buying some dumb raw land and letting it appreciate quickly, yeah, there you go. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. <laughs> yeah, the only thing is you just got to find someone willing to sell right now. <laughs> yeah, everything is flying off the market. That was the other thing that we found when we came up is that the real estate is just crazy up here. You know, houses fly off the market and we ultimately decided to rent, but that was about the same, you know, for renting. It was really, we stumbled into the place that we're in now and it was so, 
I don't know how we just stumbled upon it because everybody that we've talked to had the hardest time finding somewhere to rent or there was really stiff competition or they would have to look at numerous places before they found something. So I just got lucky, I guess. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that worked out because for some people yeah. it did not work out as well. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Yeah. You it's know, it was so, the first place. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I will say um, for the market here so far, I know everyone's it's, this is a lot, lot faster, a lot hotter than what we're used to up here, but Mm -hmm. this is actually really mild compared to other parts of the U S because just to give you an example, I was down in kind of Miami, West Palm beach in Florida recently. And I was talking with some realtors down there and I was like, man, so, I mean, we're, regularly going 10, 15, uh, 25,000, 30,000 over asking price on properties and having to offer an appraisal gap of like two up to like 5,000. So what the appraisal gap is, is it says like, let's say we're offering 250. If it doesn't appraises for 230, then we'll make up the difference up to like $5,000. So Oh, wow. Just kind of a little assurance for the people that are there. And the people down in Miami and West Palm Beach, they're like, they laughed at me. <laughs> they're like, man, we're going $100,000 over asking price, like all cash and still not getting it. Oh, my goodness. That is insane. Yeah. So that that should give you a little bit of perspective on, yeah, it's, it's faster than what we're used to, but it could be a lot worse. <laughs> okay. It could definitely be a lot worse. But yeah, holy cows. No, I, I think it's definitely high time for this uh, real estate market to calm down a little bit, though. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. It's not, it's a seller's market. It's not a buyer's market right now. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't really see that changing anytime soon. You know, and just cost of okay. materials continues to be high. Fundamentals of the market are, are strong. It's really just a basic supply and demand thing right now. So as long as the demand remains high, those prices are going to stay right where they're at. So kind of, uh, kind of sucks. But the other thing is once you do get a property, you do ride that aggressive appreciation up though. Good. Yeah. I mean, just give you an example. Like I had uh, one group of people, uh, one young couple, they came to me like awesome couple, loved working with them. They bought a property, um, not too far away from you actually in Wasilla and they, um, you know, they liked the property, but they found the dream home and, a you know, down in Girdwood. So I was like, okay, so they went and bought that other property. And then they said, Hey, so we want to sell this property now. And we actually sold it for $25,000 more than what they bought it for just like three or three or four months earlier. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, well, congratulations guys. I've not seen that happen before, but you just broke even wow. or you actually made a little bit on this thing after no time to build equity. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that gives me a good idea of what I'm looking at. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, I mean, I'll be right there in the same boat. So I'm looking at getting another property myself in the near future, but all right. So what are, I guess, some of the pros and cons of living in Alaska that you've seen so far? Cause you've, know, made it through, yeah, I guess it's been a full 12 months at this point, as of this month. It has. 
It has. Yeah, so you've you've seen like the the whole season. You're officially a sourdough at this point. So, um, <laughs> what uh, did you have a chance to really go do a whole lot during the summertime, or see any other other towns or cities in the area? I did. I did explore a little bit. Um, I've been down to Homer. I've gone to like Kenai, Soldotna. I've gone to Whittier, Seward. So, I mean, I've gone all over. We didn't make it up to Denali and I haven't made it further north. Um, But it's been a lot of fun to explore. I didn't realize that I loved fishing so much, but fishing is a lot of fun if you're with the right crowd. Um, We didn't catch a lot because I had no idea what we were like, no idea what I was doing, but it was a lot of fun. And I'm excited to get into that a lot more this next, well, this upcoming summer. Um, I just went ocean fishing for halibut. That was amazing. That was a lot of fun. Um, But that's pretty much the biggest things I did besides just ride the ATVs around. Wow, that's awesome. So what kind of fishing did you really get into? Are we talking salmon, trout, pike? What was the... It was, we were attempting to fish for salmon. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like I said, it was an epic failure, but it was so much fun. Yeah, where did did you guys go? We went all over. So um, we went up towards Talkeetna. Um, We tried staying here closer to Wasilla. Um, We went to the opening day of like Fish Creek. I know that people have a lot of success there. We tried going down to the Russian River on the Kenai. I think the Mm, issue was... I hate the Russian. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure our issue was we were trying to fish too late in the season. So we really missed um, all of the good fishing. It was just too late in the season. Yeah. Well, what kind of fishing were you guys doing too? Were you trying to trying to floss them where you're trying to get. Yeah. yeah. So for those of you who aren't aware, flossing is where you've got the, the hook and you're trying to get it, um, trying to get it into their mouth for them to bite. Um, and they're salmon, they're swimming upstream. Chances are they're not particularly hungry at that moment. So your odds of that are not very good. And so for that reason, I'm actually a huge fan of snagging. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What snagging is, is you, you have to go like, to like the mouth of the creek to where it's still technically ocean water <laughs> and you just get this big hook you throw it out there you snag into the salmon and you drag them in whether they want to or not <laughs> that's that's snagging and so much faster so much more efficient <laughs> and it's actually really fun like it's surprising how much fight the salmon put up and it's a lot of fun yeah, I mean, especially if you can hook into a king, which I haven't done that in a while. So that's, you got that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited to try and do that more this year. Yeah. Oh, I guess you get to go do dip netting now too. Yes. Now that I've been here a year, I can try dip netting. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a ton of fun because, um, I mean, it's a lot of hard work you get 25 and then, you know, plus 10 for every member of your household. So I'll let you do mm-hmm. the math, but it, uh, it adds up pretty quick and you just kind of get down there with a, the group of people you can go with, and then you go process all the fish later on at night. Um, last time I went, I was there for one tide 
So I was there for, you know, actually fishing for about two, three hours. Everyone was just helping me to to catch my limit. And I was done within like two or three hours. (laughs) Yeah. 25 salmon. Yep. And it's probably so much fun. Yeah, it is. Now, uh, processing and gutting them all at like two o'clock in the morning and then driving home and getting home at like four, (laughs) not as much fun, not as much fun, but you know, Hey, it was uh, somebody's decision not to, not to stay the night in Soldatna. <laughs> <laughs> Regretting that decision? You know, it was okay. I, I, I ended up being okay. So that's, that's the important thing. <laughs> Good. All right. So from your perspective, what are some of the pros and cons you've noticed from your time of living up here in Alaska so far? Well, the pros are just like, it's so much more relaxed than the lower 48. You know, you it's just, it's a different feeling up here. It's relaxed. People are so into the outdoors and you're close to the outdoors. That's the other thing that I absolutely love. I mean, you can pretty much leave your front door and be to the woods, to the mountain, to, you know, the river, um, within a matter of, of a few minutes. Um, some of the cons about living up here is it snows a lot. You know, if you don't like the cold or you can't find things to do in the darkness and the cold, then you might not love it. Um, But if that doesn't bother you, it's a great place to be. Um, Some of the other cons that I've noticed is shipping is atrocious. So if you want to purchase something from the lower 48 and have it sent to you, um, Amazon prime. And even at that, you know, sometimes they won't ship it to you anyway. Um, the other con I've noticed is that the mail up here is terrible. Um, I've had so many things get lost in the mail or not be delivered or, you know, just the cost of shipping alone as well, you know, shipping up here or shipping from here, it just costs more. So you just have to be aware of that and in plan things. Um, that can also be a pro though. I've also learned that I don't need a lot of stuff to be happy. You know, I don't mind not buying things online and I don't get that disappointed when a vendor says, yeah, we don't ship to Alaska. And I'm like, no, oh, too bad. Guess I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, glad to hear that you've adjusted to that. So so well. I uh, know a number of people who haven't really made that, made that jump yet. (laughs) Okay. Well, is there anything, cause I know I I put out a lot of content on the YouTube channel and we have these podcasts where we're going to talk about people, about their perspectives. Is there anything you wish you would have known or, or thought about anywhere in the process where it was kind of just a big surprise at a left field? Not really. I mean, it's still the United States. Things still run perfectly smooth up here. I mean, shipping has been the hardest thing. And if that's the biggest problem that I have, I guess I don't have that many problems. Um, I think I was, I was very nervous about it being dark for so long, um, not having a lot of sunlight throughout the winter. But honestly, it didn't bother me. I know a lot of people do get bothered by that. And depression can be, um, can be a huge thing in the winter here, but 
I didn't have problems with that. So nothing really surprised me, but I, I don't know, maybe it's my personality. I'm pretty easygoing. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure it certainly does help. All right. So do you have any final thoughts or, you know, anything else you'd um, like to share with people about moving up here to Alaska? Um, I, I do actually, I think, I think people should come up here and experience, um, Alaska maybe before moving, um, just because the state varies so much in what types of activities you can do. I mean, Sitka and Juneau is completely different than, you know, here in the Valley or Anchorage. Um, and even, even Anchorage is completely different than Wasilla. Anchorage is more of a, a city and Wasilla is more laid back. Um, and then of course you have the Kenai Peninsula. If you like the ocean, you're not going to be happy living up here in Anchorage or the Valley. If you want to be close to the ocean, you just don't, it's not here. So I would say maybe, maybe travel and see what area you like or at least research more than I did. Um, and I don't know if it's necessarily a bad idea to come up here and rent for a little bit until you know what area you want to live in. Luckily, like you said, it is a seller's market. So if people do buy and then they, they realize that they want to be somewhere else, they probably won't have a hard time selling. But, you know, it's not always a bad idea to try and rent if you're not 100% sure where you want to be. Right. Actually, uh, spend some quality time on the ground definitely doesn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I really do appreciate you taking the time here. And um, for those of you who do have any other questions about what, what it's like moving up here to Alaska, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, my contact information should be in the show notes down below. And yeah, thanks for listening. And we will catch you next time. Oh, 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 oh,